Good morning, church. Let us pray. Almighty God, we want to thank you that this morning we can gather here in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are here right now in our midst as you have promised. So Lord, we take captive, Lord, every thought and bring them to the obedience of Christ, that Christ may be exalted and that Christ may be obeyed and that Christ may be glorified. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now and move among us. Renew our minds, inspire our hearts, and turn us towards you, O Lord, and your purpose. This we pray in us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Now, I want, today I want to talk about the most commonly mentioned name in church, the name of Jesus, although it is not a common name. In fact, we often end our prayers with what sometimes can feel almost like a tagline, in Jesus' name, amen. But I assure you, it is definitely not just a tagline. To begin with, to begin with I want to share a little bit about um, that it's not been easy to prepare to, to prepare this message. You know, it's... Uh, I, I kind of feel hard-pressed, all right, on, on different sides. And things happen out of the blue, which don't happen usually at other times, you know, my family, so on and so forth. And to be honest, I got this message quite some time ago, but and as I was preparing it, you know, I kind of feel intimidated and there's a voice that keeps telling me, are you sure you want to talk about this? Are you sure you want to talk about the name of Jesus? You see, I begin to realize that the reason why it's difficult, there's so much warfare surrounding this message is because the name of Jesus is the most hated name and yet at the same time the most feared name in the enemy camp by the spiritual forces of darkness. So there is a message here today for the people of God, right? And I want us to really sit up and listen and take heed and pay attention to what God is saying. Now to begin, I'm going to do a kind of a simple mental exercise, all right? I'm going to mention a few names and you see what uh, thoughts and feelings come to mind, okay? Can we do that? All right. Are you ready? The first name I'm going to mention is the name Albert Einstein. Okay, not much reaction, all right? Pretty neutral character because uh, he's a great scientist, all right? Uh, maybe some of you don't find him that great. Because of him, you have to study very hard. Okay, another name. That's, that's Mother Teresa. Right. Thoughts and feelings that come to mind, you know? Uh, selflessness, compassion, sacrificial. All right, let's try this. Adolf Hitler. Wow, there's some reaction there. All right, yeah. Uh, the epitome of evil, you know, when we hear that name. One more, one last name, all right, one last name, okay? Are you ready? The name of your boss. Wow, <laughs> so a lot of reaction, okay? You laugh, okay, for different reasons, all right, depending, depending on uh, who your boss is, okay? Now, these thoughts and feelings are provoked not by the sound or the syllabus of the name, but by the nature, the character, the history, and the achievements of the person behind that name. 
You see, some people make a great name for themselves by their words and deeds. Some people are born into a great name. For example, the late Queen Elizabeth and King Charles. Some have a great name conferred upon them, like Menu fans, Sir Alex Ferguson, former Menu manager. Jesus' name became great in all three ways. The name Jesus was quite a common name in those days, during Jesus' time, although the man behind the name is, is not common. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power. When He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as He has inherited a more excellent name than they. And He goes on, For to which of the angels did He ever say, You are My Son, today I have begotten you? A rhetorical question. The answer is no. And again, let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus not only inherited since time, memorial, since eternity, a great name as the only begotten divine Son to the Father, He achieved and was conferred a great name by what He accomplished when He laid aside His divine glory and took on human flesh. Namely, He lived a perfect life of obedience and therefore became the perfect atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, God has highly exalted His human name, the name of Jesus, to the highest place of authority in the entire universe at which every knee must bow and every tongue confess His Lordship in the three realms of heaven, earth, and under the earth. It's another way of saying the heavenly realm where the angels are and God is, the earthly realm where human beings live, and in the domanic, in demonic realm. But what does that mean for us? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. And He came... Ephesians 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. The key statement I want you to notice is this. God has put all things in subjection under Christ's feet and given Him as head over all things to the church or for the benefit of the church so that we can do whatever we like with that power. No. 
With great responsibility comes great, with great power comes great responsibility. We've been given, we've been entrusted, we've been delegated with the same power and authority of the risen Christ so that we, as His body here on earth, can continue to do the works of Christ and be the full expression of Him to the world so that they may turn to Him and be saved. That's what the phrase that Christ may feel all in all means. And it's interesting, right? In Matthew 28, the Great Commission that Jesus gave to us before He ascended into heaven, He said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. You see, our, the task that God gave to us, the Great Commission to make disciples, is contingent upon the authority that Christ has and has given and delegated to us so that we can finish the job. How does Jesus enable us to do that? How does He give us access to use His power and authority to accomplish His purpose? Not our purpose, His purpose. By giving us the right to use His name and the power and to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. This, that is the title of my sermon this morning, In Jesus' Name, which is my son's favorite phrase. By the way, from time to time, we will suddenly hear him in Jesus' name, amen. All right, he can be in the kitchen, he can be in the living room, he can be in his own room. You know, he'd be mumbling, praying, and then suddenly, in Jesus' name, amen. And I'm, I'm glad, and that's a wonderful thing, right? In fact, I dedicate this sermon to my children. May they grow up to be mighty and powerful in the name of Jesus for His glory and purpose. You see, all the power and authority of the risen Christ is now vested in His human name, the name of Jesus. Now, say it with me, all right? It, there is power and authority in the name of Jesus, okay? Say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. There is power and authority in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's say it one more time, this time a bit louder and with more conviction. Can we do that? All right. One, two, three. There is power and authority in the name of Jesus. One more time. There is power and authority in the name of Jesus. I ask you to say three times. First is for the angels in the heavenly realm to hear, and they will say amen to that. Second is for the demonic realm to hear, and they will tremble. And third is for you and I to remind ourselves. Now, there are four areas I want to talk about where we use the name of Jesus. The first area is the area of prayer. Jesus said in John 14, verse 12 to 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you. That's a promise He's making. Either He's telling the truth or He's not. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who believes in Me, the works that I do, He will do also, and greater works than these will He will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in My name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask Me anything in My name, I will do it. In My name or in Jesus' name, it's not just a tagline at the end of our prayer. You see, to pray in Jesus' name on one level is to come to God on the basis of Christ's perfect standing and merit with the Father because we have none. We are sinners. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In fact, 
through Christ, we now have direct access to the Father. Because later on in John 16, verse 23 to 27, Jesus said, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He will give it to you. See, not, we're not just going to Jesus now. We have direct access to the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf, for the Father Himself loves you because you have loved me and I believe that I came forth from the Father. Through Jesus, we have direct access to the Father in prayer. And on another level, to pray in Jesus' name is to pray according to God's will and to fulfill His kingdom purpose. Just like the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, your will be done. You see, whatever you ask, Sounds like Jesus is a personal genie where He will give us anything we want if we just know what to say. Mention His name, right? Name it and claim it in Jesus' name, that Audi A5, or if you have more faith, that Ferrari, or that private property in District 7 or District 9. You know what? Nothing could be further from the truth. You see, the context to understand the whatever or the anything in John 14, verse 13 and 14 is found in verse 12. Whatever is qualified by the works of Christ, which we are to do in the previous verse. And it's for the key purpose of that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's what Jesus always did. He always glorified the Father in all that He did. That's why Jesus had a track record of 100% success rate. When Jesus stood before the tomb of Lazarus and raised him from the dead, John 11, verse 41 to 42, he prayed this interesting prayer. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around me, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Why? Because Jesus always lived in perfect, unbroken union, intimacy, and obedience to the Father. And in he, he said that himself in John 5, 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And in John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. It's like when Jesus came to earth, He carried with Him a credit card, all right, from His Father, with His Father's name on it, at the top and his own name under it. Jesus came with all the authority his father's name would bring and could draw upon his father's account as long as he kept on good terms with the father and spent it for the purposes of which the father approved. And that's what Jesus did. He perfectly embodied the will of the father. In that sense, to pray in Jesus' name is to pray according to God's will and to fulfill his kingdom purpose. You know, the, just like the Lord's Prayer, we pray. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, even as it is in heaven. A similar idea is found in 1 John 5, 14 to 15. This is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from Him. Now, Jesus has given us that credit card to use in the same way He did. He set the perfect example for us and that's why He said what He said in, the, in John 15, using the imagery of the vine and the branches. In John 15, He says, Abide in Me and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And listen to this, very important. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You see, if we want more of our prayers to be answered, do what Jesus said, or do what Jesus did. Live for God's glory, walk in obedience by lining up our will with His will, grow in intimacy with Him by spending time in prayer and in getting into His Word so that His Word can get into us. The second area I want to talk about where we use the name of Jesus is the area of authority. Authority. You see, we have been given the right to exercise authority in Jesus' name over sickness and demons. That's where we get our healing and deliverance ministry. Now, I just want to quickly address this here, all right? Is this. Not every person that we pray gets healed, right? Sometimes they do immediately, sometimes not immediately, sometimes they don't. And the reason, we don't know why. We, we do not know. It's the mystery of the God's divine sovereignty. We just don't know. On this side of eternity, maybe we will know when we reach the other side with God, but that by then, maybe it doesn't really matter anymore. Alright? But, the simple position I want to I want to say to us today is we do what we are supposed to do and we let God be God. Amen? You see, I believe that God's glory can still be revealed no matter what happens at the end of the day if we trust Him. See, our faith is not in the healing, our faith is in the healer Himself. I just want to say that, okay, to set the foundation and, and, and get it out of the way, all right? Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. And he, Jesus, called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. See, it's in the word of God. Right? And some may argue that, no, it's just limited to the twelve apostles and the miracles died with them when they died. But you, you know, but you move later on to Luke chapter 10, verse 8 to 9, when Jesus sent out the 70 disciples, it says this, whatever city, Jesus said to the 70, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. And then later on, when the 70 return, right, in, in Luke 10, verse 17 to 19, the 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Jesus replied, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, imagery for demonic spirits, and over all the power of the enemy. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And back again to John 14, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. He who believes in me is not just limited to the 12 apostles, although they have a unique role, all right? They were appointed by Christ to be His apostles and His witnesses. But He who believes in me, anyone who believes in me, believers, any, any believer, anyone who believes in Jesus, 
we have been called and empowered to do the works of Christ. The works that I do, although it does not exclude the ethical good works of Christ, in the context of John's Gospel, it primarily refers to his supernatural works and miracles. You see, anybody can do good works, all right? Anybody, even, even non-Christians, okay? Sometimes even better. But not everybody can do miracles except for Christ and through His body, the church. And greater works than this will He do. Now, it's debatable whether that means in term, greater in terms of quality. Yeah, Jesus walked on water, He calmed the storm, He multiplied fish and bread, He raised the dead, so and so forth. All right, I mean, what can be greater than that? All right. But in terms of quantity, I believe so. All right. that unlike Christ, who was limited in time and space when He was on the earth, believers after Him will be able to do much more, taking His power and authority and kingdom message to the ends of the earth throughout history. And Jesus continues to say in verse 13 and 14, whatever, if I may insert the bracket, of the works of Christ and even greater works, you ask in my name, that I will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus, after He returned to the Father, He made it possible for us to continue His ministry by promising us two things. Number one, the authority of His name. Number two, the power of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> right, this is the conclusion from John 14 and 16, from Luke 24 and from Luke Chapter 1, verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be, witness, you'll be my witnesses. You see, <clears throat> it's like the analogy of the traffic police officer. When he puts on the uniform and he wears the badge, he has delegated authority by the state. Right? That when he stands in the middle of the traffic junction, all he needs to do is this. And the truck will have to stop. Not because he has a lot of strength and power like Superman that he can stop the truck physically, but he has authority, right? With the full power of the state backing him up. If the truck do not obey, the power of the state will kick in, right? When he says go, the traffic moves. Same thing. That's the nature of authority. You see, in the Old Testament, to invoke or call upon the name of a deity was to expect the deity to effectively show up in their situation. Remember 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 24? Elijah contested with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, right, where Elijah asked the prophets of Baal to call upon the name of their God, Baal, while he calls upon the name of Yahweh. And he says, the God who answers by fire and consumes the sacrifice, he is God. And Jesus has given us the use of his name. That when we exercise our God-given authority in Jesus' name, is basically to call upon His presence and power to be present in that situation by the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Peter and John healed the lame man in the temple, right? Peter said to the lame man, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, in the Middle Ages, there was a bishop who was talking to one of his priests, and he said, See, the church can no longer say that silver and gold have I none. And you know, the priest replied to the bishop, Neither can the church say, In Jesus' name, rise up and walk. You see, the church can glow in affluence and lose the power of God. What did Peter and John have? 
They have been clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And they have the authority of Jesus' name. That power of the Spirit is released when they exercise the authority of Jesus' name. See, it's not just limited to the apostles. Other believers like Philip, Stephen, Ananias also did miracles, signs and wonders in Jesus' name, implicit in the context. Clearly, Luke intends to demonstrate that Jesus' ministry continued through the apostles by the power of the Spirit and the authority of His name, and it was not limited to them, but happening through ordinary believers throughout the book of Acts. And we have many accounts of God doing miracles through believers throughout church history, and even today, attesting that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, the, our Filipino ministry have been seeing a lot of miracles happening, all right, when they pray for people. And Pastor Leo, he prayed for an elderly gentleman over the phone, all right. This elderly gentleman was uh, bedridden. He couldn't get up from his bed. He prayed for him over the phone. It was not even physically, and that guy got up from the bed. Now, there's a catch here. There is a catch here. It's very important. I need you to listen carefully, all right? There's a catch here. Although there is power and authority in Jesus' name, it is not a magical formula or incantation that anyone can use and expect it to work, all right? It is not a magical formula. In fact, John's Gospel and the book of Acts clearly teaches against it. You see, the condition must be met. And the condition is this, a relationship with Christ that is marked by intimacy and obedience, right? John 15, abide in Christ and His words abide in us. You see, there's a story in Acts chapter 19, verse 11 to 16. <clears throat> the sons, the seven sons of Sceva tried to use the name of Jesus. Verse 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, skip one verse, but also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place, attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit, very interesting, listen to this, the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I know the evil spirit say, I know Jesus. I know Paul. Who are you? It's very interesting to me that the evil spirit did not just say, I know Jesus. The evil spirit said, I know Paul. You see, friends, if you are serious about God, you are submitted to the Lordship of Christ and you are committed to live your life for Him and for His purpose. You are a serious threat to the enemy. He will recognize you in a good way. You have authority. All right? If not, the enemy doesn't need to bother and waste time with you because you are no threat to him at all. Right? You see, Ephesus, where this account happened, was a city especially deep in the practice and use of magic and sorcery of all kinds for all kinds of purposes, including exorcism. Right? They literally okay, have a list of magical formula and incantation in the name of different deities. Right? And they will use all of them just so that one of them might just show up. I'm serious. 
Okay, and Jesus was one of them that they tried to add it in. But what a painful way to learn that the name of Jesus is not a magical formula anyone can use for the seven sons of Sceva. You see, it's interesting to note that Luke especially included the title Lord Jesus in the verse. I don't believe it's random or arbitrary. You see, the seven sons of Sceva did not meet any of the conditions to have the right to use the name of Jesus. To begin with, they're not even believers or disciples of Christ. They are not submitted to the Lordship of Christ, nor do they have a relationship with God that's marked by intimacy and obedience, mentioned in John 15. Unlike the disciples like Peter and John, where although they were uneducated and untrained men, the religious leaders took note that they had been with Jesus. That was the key to their effectiveness. You see, they knew Jesus intimately and they were surrendered to His Lordship and His kingdom purpose. This brings me to my next area I want to talk about where we use the name of Jesus. It's the area of our worship. It's the area of our worship. Now, this may not seem very obvious to many of us, all right? Like prayer, our worship to God is only acceptable through Jesus Christ, okay? Not how uh, we sing, how we shout, or how emotional we feel, all right? Those are not bad, okay? Those are, are, are good and great, but that is not the basis. Our worship is acceptable to God. Our worship is acceptable to God only through Jesus Christ, all right? Because we can never, we are sinners. We can never offer God perfect worship, all right? There is nothing in us that qualifies us to stand before God. It is only by Christ's finished work on the cross, by His shed blood, and on the basis of His righteousness that we come before God. Hebrews 10, 19. And we see, worship is but our response to the saving grace and mercy of God. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, say with me, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your, say together, spiritual service of worship. You see, worship doesn't just happen over the weekend for the 1.5 hours that you are here right now. It extends to and encompasses the whole of our lives, our speech, our conduct, our family life, how we relate with people, how we fulfill and discharge our responsibilities and duties, our vocation. Now, you may be wondering, unlike prayer and casting out demons, what has the name of Jesus got to do with our worship life? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 which says this, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. You see, it means before you say anything or do anything, ask yourself, does this honour Christ? Is it congruent with the nature and character of Christ? Does this correctly represent Him? Is this what He would do in my situation, in my shoe? You see, the context of this verse, Colossians 3.17, before and after, if you read, all right, which I encourage you to read, is a transformed life in Christ. You see, before it, we don't have time to go through every verse and just give you a summary. In verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, for you have died with Christ. You died with Christ to your old life of sin. In verse 5, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, and evil desire. Same, same idea in Romans 12, Right? Verse 7 and 8, In them you once walked, but now put them all aside. And verse 10, Put on the new self, which is being renewed according to the image of Christ. And verse 12 and 6 to 16, A long list of virtues to put on. A heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, even as the Lord forgive you. And above all, put on love. And, now, and then this verse, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or they do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And then after that, 
chapter 3, verse 18 onwards, you have a long list of human roles and relationships to be lived out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, where God says, wives, I want you to be the kind of wife that I want you to be, you know. The husbands, be the kind of husband that God wants you to be. Children, be the kind of children that God wants you to be. Fathers, be the kind of fathers God wants you to be. Workers, be the kind of workers God wants you to be. Employers, be the kind of employers God wants you to be. Many years ago, I don't know if you remember this, there was a movement called the WWJD movement, right? WWJD, where people wear this uh, synthetic kind of uh, wristband with the acronym WWJD, which means, what would Jesus do? To remind them that if Jesus is in their shoe and situation, what would He do? All right, the same idea here, all right? In whatever we say or do towards one another, can we truly say or do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's what true worship is, in the name of Jesus. Now, why is that important on a horizontal plane? Because our worship of Christ, listen to this, our worship of Christ affects our witness for Christ. Our worship of Christ affects our witness for Christ. The fourth area I want to talk about is our witness. You see, as believers, like it or not, we bear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We carry His name. All right? I don't know if you realize this. The moment, the day you declare you want to follow Christ, you go down into the water of baptism and you come up, you have signed up for that. You now carry and bear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in a, in, for better or for worse. All right? Whether we are conscious or not, whether we are conscious of it or not, we, const- we are constantly, even if we are not intentional, we are constantly witnessing in the name of Jesus Christ to unbelievers. You know, at our Alpha sessions, our Alpha outreach, right, we have a lot of seekers who come and many of the stories they share is they have very bad experiences with Christians. And we have to undo a lot of that and, you know, and help them you know, make progress towards faith. My friends, the stakes are very high because it is in this name, the name of Jesus, by which people are saved. Right? Acts 4.12 says, For there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It is a powerful name that saves the name of Jesus for anyone who will call on Him. And this reminds me of the story of my cousin Ken who passed away a few years ago from a stomach cancer. It was very aggressive stomach cancer he had and at, he was only 42 years old. Alright, he's just two years younger than me at that time. That was before COVID. Alright, and when, and when he's, it looks like his time was almost up, you know, I had this burden from the Lord to, to visit him in the hospital and just share Christ with him. Alright, and I, and I did that, you know, and, and to my surprise, he, he, he was open and ready to receive Christ. I led him in a sinner's prayer and then I asked him, do you want to be baptized? He said, yes, I want to be baptized. And I shared with the relatives who were there that Ken wants to be baptized and follow Christ. And uh, they, my auntie, who's not a believer, she gathered all the relatives, said, okay, come, 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 let's witness the baptism of Ken. Right? Sometimes, you know, God uses people to help accomplish His purpose. And it was all good and great until at the very last moment, his parents was, said no. Okay? They, they, did, they didn't want him to get baptized because... They're like, if you get baptized, then you're going to another place, you know, different from us. You know, we cannot put your urn together with our urn in, a, in this uh, place, and so on and so forth. You see, the barriers are cultural, right? Like what Pastor Daniel mentioned, cultural barriers, so on and so forth. And you see, you have to understand, he is their only son. 
Ken is their only son and he is, he is passing away. All right? And he didn't want to cause more grief and distress to the parents. Already they are very grieved that they are losing their own and only son. And he said, okay, okay, I will not get baptized, so on and so forth. And I just felt, you know, that the, job, the, the task is not complete. I felt that I needed to, to share this with him. Okay, the Lord put it in my heart to share with him. I said, Ken, I understand. But you know what? At any point in time, you just call on the name of Jesus and He will be there for you. Remember, call on the name of Jesus because the word that the Lord gave to me was Romans 10, right? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I needed to give him a simple handle that he can remember and lay hold of. You see, long prayers, he, he, they cannot remember long prayers, right? Call on the name of Jesus. And then he passed away soon after that. And I was, I was experiencing grief, all right, at the loss of my cousin. And I was wondering, the question at the back of my mind is, where is my cousin Ken now? Where is he? I don't know. I'm not sure. And I was struggling with grief. And then one day, about a few weeks, a few weeks after that, after a typical weekend service, I was walking out of church into the plaza area. And it was interesting. There was not a single soul in the plaza area. And then when I stepped into the plaza area, I saw a white piece of paper right in front of me and written on it was the name of my cousin, Kent. K-E-N. And at that moment, I felt God spoke to me. Mark, I got this. I got this. He's with me. You know, this is one of those rare times where I felt at that moment an angelic presence next to me. Right? There is power in the name of Jesus to save. But you see, that power can be hindered by our poor witness in the same name, the name of Jesus. Romans 10, verse 13 to 15, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. You see, we have already been sent as ambassadors and bearers of Christ's name. The question is, are we bringers of good news or bad news as a result of our witness? You see, our witness has a very deep and profound impact on those who have not yet come to know Christ. It can be our parents, it can be our in-laws, our colleagues, our neighbours, so on and so forth. We either can be two things, okay? We can either be a stepping stone for people to inch nearer to Christ or we can be a stumbling block that keeps people away from Christ. There, there's no middle ground. There's only these two options. All right. I invite the worship team up on stage. Okay, I'd like to invite the worship team up on stage right now. And I'm going to share a story. Okay. While I bring this to a close. <clears throat> you know, recently, I found out from my wife that the breakfast store auntie at the coffee shop near my house, her husband is dying from stage 4 lung cancer, right? No wonder I, we haven't seen him for so long, you know, in the coffee shop. And I felt, the, I felt burdened for him and, 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 and this auntie and the family. And I, the Lord put it on my heart and challenged me, go and talk to her. 
right? And so one morning, I went to her and uh, I bought breakfast from her first. Okay, you got to buy something from her, right? Before you uh, open the door to speak. I bought breakfast from her and I asked her, Auntie, I heard about your husband from my wife. How is he? And she said, it's not good, you know. He's, he's struggling to breathe. Even just to walk from the, live, the bedroom to the, to the toilet is, is difficult for him, you know. He's difficult to breathe. And she, she said this, very interesting. She said, there's nothing we can do, you know. This is just life unless there is a miracle. She said that. She said that. And I was stunned. I was stunned when she said that. This is a not, not a believer. And at that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, this, that is the opening for you to go in. I said, how? I, then the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to share with her the testimony of how the Lord healed your mother from liver failure many years ago. And I shared with her. I shared with her. And you know what? She actually came out from her store and asked me to sit now on the table and she's listened to me for a good 10-15 minutes share with her. You see, a couple of things I learned here which I want you to take away with you, alright? Partner with the Holy Spirit. Obey the Holy Spirit, okay? And people are more open than you think sometimes, alright? And so I said, Auntie, I want to visit your husband and I want to pray for him. You know, can you check? Can you ask him? She said, yeah, okay. You know? I went back you know, what, you know how I was feeling? I was feeling full of joy. You know, that thing really made my day. I was overflowing with joy. You know what? If you are lacking joy in your life, maybe you should try this, right? Obey the Holy Spirit and share Christ with someone. You know what I'm saying? Okay, if you want some joy in your life. I went back, I shared with my wife and my children, all right? Because I want them to be involved, right? I want my, my family, my children especially, to be involved and to, 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 to be a part of this, okay? And to disciple them in that sense, okay? And I shared with them, they were very excited. My children were very excited. And we, I said, let's pray for this family. And we prayed for the family. I told my children, you know what? If, who knows, right? If I have a chance to visit the husband and pray for him in the mighty name of Jesus and he gets healed, I tell you, potentially a cell group can start in the coffee shop because they know one another. The storeholders, they want one another very well, right? I told my kids, this is the book of Acts come alive. And I wish I could tell you that that's what happened, but it didn't because the husband was not open. The husband was not open. But I learned this. It's more important to obey the Holy Spirit and you leave the results to God. And you keep praying. You keep praying. All right? You keep praying. And the Lord drop it in our hearts. It's okay the husband's not open yet, but there's one more thing you can do to bless them. Give them a hamper. So my wife and I, we bought a hamper and gave it to the auntie. You know the auntie, when she saw the hamper, she was stunned and she just stared at it for so long. Because why? Nobody has ever done that. Extended that kind of love and compassion to them. You see, even if we don't get a chance to pray for people or even if we pray and nothing seems to happen, remember this, people must always walk away feeling loved by God through you. Amen? Amen. That is our witness in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I said at the beginning, that at the name of Jesus, Jesus' name is acknowledged in the three realms, right? In the spiritual realm, angels bow in awe and worship and serve Him. And in the, de in the demonic realm, demons bow in fear and trembling and submit to Him. You see, it's in the earthly realm, the realm of man where we are, where we live, where not every knee has yet bowed and not every tongue has yet confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
at least not yet. But the day will come when He returns, not as Saviour, but as an awesome King to judge the living and the dead and establish His eternal kingdom. But till then, He is extending His grace and mercy and offer of salvation for anyone who will turn and call on Him. And I say to you today, today is the day of salvation. So I want to address two groups of people. All right, two groups of people here. The first group of people are Christians, believers. If you are challenged by God through today's message that you have not been living your life for the Lord, you are not submitted to His Lordship in Christ, but today you want to say, Jesus is my Lord, not just my Saviour, He is my Lord. I want to live for Him. I want to live for His purpose. I want to walk in obedience. If that's you, you lift up your hands right now, okay? You lift up your hands right now. All eyes closed, all heads bowed, okay? All eyes closed, all heads bowed. If that's you, you want to recommit your life to the Lord, you lift up your hands right now all across this place. Anyone? Yes, I see the hand over there. I see the hand. Anyone else? Anyone else across this place? There's a hand at the back. Thank you. I see a hand up there in the upper auditorium. Thank you. You put, up, put down the hand. Now, if you are not a Christian, okay, you, someone brought you here today or you came on your own accord, I want to say to you, God meant for you to be here this morning, okay, to hear His Word and He is extending His hand and invitation to you this day. Turn to Christ and follow Him. Make Him your Lord and your Savior. All right? If that's you today, you want to turn to Christ and follow Him. You want to believe and follow Christ. If that is you, all right? If that is you, put out your hand in the air right now. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. Anyone, anyone here who's not a believer but you want to believe and follow Christ, okay? You lift up your hand right now all across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Can we rise and stand to our feet? Hallelujah. Now, there's a third group of people, all right, that I, I sense the Lord wants to touch today, okay, is you have a healing need in your body, all right? You have a healing need in your body. You see, we cannot talk about the power and authority of Jesus' name and not be praying and believing for healing to take place, right? So, if you have a physical need in your body, you need God's healing touch, Later, when I give the call, you come forward, all right? And I invite the pastors and the ministry team to come and lay hands on you. But don't pray yet, all right? Don't pray yet. Wait for me, okay? Wait for me, all right? And if you responded to Christ, recommitted to Him to make Him your Lord as a believer, you come forward as well, okay? You tell the pastor the res- what response you made so he can pray for you. If you are not a Christian and you prayed, you want to believe in Christ and follow Him, you also come forward and you tell the pastors, okay, about your response so that they can pray for you some more and tell you what you should do as you start this journey of following Christ, alright? Can we do that? So on a count of three, on a count of three, okay, you either in the first group, second group or the third group who needs a healing prayer, you just come, okay? One, two, three. You just come forward right now. Okay, you just come forward right now and pastors and ministry staff, you just come forward as well, Okay? Just come right now. Come right now. But don't pray yet, alright? Don't pray yet. Just lay your hands on them, okay? <clears throat> and wait on me. Yes, pick your way to the front as soon as you can, okay? We don't, don't have a lot of time and we got to move fast, okay? You got to move fast. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Okay, so pastors, ministry staff, alright? Just come. Okay, there's uh, quite a lot of people, so... 
You know, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're in the inner healing deliverance ministry or healing rooms, cell leaders, you just come forward as well. Okay, we need every hand. Okay, we can get right now. Okay, so pastors, ministry staff, lay leaders, just put your hand on the people of God. Okay, as as much as far as you can. Okay, just lay hands on them on the part where they need healing. If you can't lay them, lay your hands on their forehead. All right. Okay, and I'm going to pray a generic prayer. Okay, first. Okay, can we do that? Okay, there's not enough hands to lay. So, you lay hand on yourself, okay? Whichever part of your body that needs a healing touch from God, you lay, you lay on yourself, okay? Okay, or you lay on your head. Can we do that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All of us, stretch forth our hands on these our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, release your healing right now upon your people. Yes, Lord. Release wholeness right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, be made whole and be healed. Holy Spirit, touch them now in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, touch them right now. Hallelujah. For those who are struggling with, you know, tormenting thoughts, in the mighty name of Jesus, I take authority over every demonic source of those tormenting thoughts. I bind you in the mighty name of Jesus and I forbid you from tormenting these people of God, children of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. Be set free in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak the peace the love and the joy of the Lord into you. Receive in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Okay, pastors, we continue to minister and pray for them. Worship team, lead us in a song, okay? The rest of us, let's worship and exalt the name of Jesus. Shall we do that? Shadow 
like a fire. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and anxiety. Over fear and all anxiety. Every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is power. Yes. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold, Lord, in Jesus' name. Every stronghold shine through the shadows. Power, your name is healing, your name is love. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Oh Jesus, Jesus in the streets. streets. Oh Jesus, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Yes. Jesus family. I speak the holy name. Jesus. Come on, people of God. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus is for my family. I speak the holy hands to the Lord. Shall we do that? Yes, you want to give praise to Jesus? Do it. Alright, do it. Yes. Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus. We praise the name of Jesus. The name that is above every other name. At that name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you have given us that name. 
to do your works, Lord, and to fulfill your kingdom purpose. Lord, I pray for all this, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. The same prayer that Paul prayed, Lord, in Ephesians chapter 1, that, Lord, you will open the eyes of your heart and give them a spirit of wisdom and understanding that they may know the surpassing greatness of the power that they have who believe, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Not for anything, but to fulfill the purposes of God, Lord. Because, Lord, it's not here where the action takes place. It's out there when they step out of the house of the Lord, they're stepping out into the mission field, God's mission field, that whatever God has placed you, whatever He has sent you, you know, people of God, you have delegated authority in the name of Jesus to pray and bless people and the power of the Holy Spirit is with you and upon you. So receive it, receive it, believe it and receive it right now in the name of Jesus. So bless your people, Lord, I pray and empower them to do your works and fulfill your purpose. That lives may be touched, that Christ may fill all in all, through them, your body, the fullness of Christ. So may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always.